Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis using the Zelle app to box13 at greatdetectives.net. And you can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month by going to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now let's get into this week's episode of Dangerous Assignment. The original air date, January 21st, 1953, and the title is Leak of Strategic Materials. Dangerous Assignment. Transcribed, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though, trouble, but... When I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to prove that you can sometimes hook the biggest fish of all right in the middle of a freight train. Morning, Commissioner. You sent for me? Steve, ever been on the road to Mandalay? Oh, many times. Vocally, that is. Used to be the theme song of our... Jolly Fellows Clam Digging and Marching Society. Well, this time you're actually going to travel that road, Steve, on your way to meet an American newspaper man named Forrester. What's it all about, Commissioner? Lately, we've been concerned over the leak of strategic materials and equipment from the U.S., materials originally intended for our allies in Indochina, Malaya. Uh, you mean some of that shipment isn't getting there, huh? Right. It's winding up in Burma, then being shipped on through the back door of China. So how does this newspaper man fit into the picture? Chris Forrester knows the Orient. Been there for years, has many contacts. He got in touch with us last night, said he had certain information which might help us plug up that leak of supplies. Okay, Commissioner. Get over there, Steve. Talk with Forrester. Get to the organization behind all this and smash it. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. One of the most important functions of a radio network is the quick dissemination of news. When you listen to the NBC radio network, you can depend upon expert news reporters, analysts, and commentators to bring you all the important news whenever and wherever it happens. And you can depend upon NBC for full coverage of all major news events. Yes, at home and overseas, NBC employs reporters in all of the important news-making cities of the world. And via the worldwide facilities of major news-gathering agencies, NBC can give you important news flashes as soon as they're received. So when you want the best radio news coverage... Be sure to set your radio dial to this NBC station. 
Sure, I've got my assignment. Hit the road to Mandalay, check with a foreign correspondent there named Chris Forrester, and hope the information he has will help us plug up the leak of strategic U.S. materials and equipment. It's late Friday evening when my plane settles down in Rangoon. I check the hotel blur, but Forrester hasn't arrived. Seems the late train from Mandalay is overdue. I head for the depot, and that's when I spot the gent in the white suit tailing me. The same gent who was standing near the hotel desk when I asked about Forrester... I try a fast maneuver to shake him. Clever ruse, number 37B. And it works. I wind up on the main drag again and hail an approaching cab. Then as I open the door, I realize clever ruse, number 37B, isn't so clever. The gent in the white suit is sitting in the back seat of the cab, and somehow I feel it wouldn't be smart to turn down his invitation. Do get in, Mr. Mitchell. Okay, Buster. Pretty fast on your feet, aren't you? I think so. All right, driver. Now, I'd like to have a little talk with you, Mr. Mitchell. Friendly talk? But of course. I might believe it if you took that hand of yours out of your coat pocket. Well, ask what you want with Chris Forrester. You may, only I don't think you're going to get an answer. Uh, In that case, your identification papers, please. Come, come, Mr. Mitchell. Here you are. Ah, Thank you. Oh, I see. My apologies, Mr. Mitchell. What's this all about? Perhaps you'd better have a look at my credentials. Here you are. Hmm? Ben Grayson, Chief Investigator, Southeast India Insurance Company, Melbourne. You see, Mr. Mitchell, my company is interested in Forrester, too, in the work he's doing. We wouldn't want anything to happen to him. We're counting on him for some very valuable information. Oh? And we're willing to pay for it. Matter of fact, I'll have a check in my pocket for him, 2,000 pounds. Small bonus. And this information is in regard to... The hijacking of freight insured by our company. We handle a good many firms in this area, Mr. Mitchell, and the company's taking an awful beating in the past six months. The bosses have been on my neck, wanting me to do something about the situation. A job hanging by a thread? No, 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 not exactly. But it does make a chap look bad, doesn't it? Oh, I've had some luck. I've picked up a few operators, small fry, bush league pirates and the like. Forrester seems to be on the right trail, though. He's after the big wheel. Power behind a gigantic organization operating in the area. That's why I'm here, Grayson. Well, as I say, I'm glad to have you aboard. Later, we pull up at the railroad station while Grayson goes off to inquire about Forrester's train. I take a quick stroll around the depot. Seems to be an awful lot of activity about for this time of night. A lot of people milling around, workmen mostly. And two platoons of government troops are headed along the loading platform. I watch as they pile aboard the waiting train. Hey, hey. Yeah? Oh, what is it, Grayson? Travel, plenty of it. The night train from Mandalay, the one Forrester was on. What about it? Guerrillas attacked it 30 miles out of Sintown. Derailed it. What? Robbed the passengers and left three of them dead. Oh, great. The port didn't say who they were. You think one of them could be Forrester? Let's find out. This, I take it, is the relief train? Yes, leaving in a few minutes. Okay, let's latch on. Grayson and I are aboard as the relief train pulls out of the depot, picks up speed and rolls northward on the Mandalay. Hours later, we watch the dawn come up, not like thunder, but quietly, hot, sticky, and then finally we arrive at the scene of the wreck. The locomotive, looking like a wounded bull elephant, lies sprawled across the tracks. Behind it, two passenger cars form a neat pyramid. First, we check the casualties. Two of them are natives. The third is the engineer. 
Grayson and I split up, start checking the passengers lined up on both sides of the train. No sign of Forrester. No one seems to remember him, that is, until I reach a short, heavy-set gent sporting an expensive, though badly wrinkled, tan gabardine suit. American chap, you say? Tall, graying about the temples? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Well, we were in the same car. I spoke with him briefly. Mm-hmm. When did you see him last? Mm, uh, some time ago, before the attack, that is. I got in a small conversation with him regarding bicycles. I represent the Birmingham Thunderbolt. It's an excellent oh, wheel, oh, sir. A stout little machine and all that. I'm sure. Thanks for oh, the... Uh, oh, and one, one moment, sir. Uh, oh, Tarver, would you pop over a moment, please? Uh, she might be able to help you, sir. She's a lovely girl. Oh, lovely. And from Singapore. I don't know what she does, but uh, whatever it is, she must do it well. Yes, what is it, Mr. Perryman? Uh, my dear, this gentleman now. Uh, I didn't get the name, sir. Steve Mitchell. Uh, Tarver, Mr. Mitchell. My name is uh, Perryman Amos J. How do you do, Mr. Mitchell? He's looking for a chap, friend of his, Forrester. Oh, yes, the newspaper writer. Yeah, you were with him when the guerrillas attacked the train? Yes. We heard shots, and then the train stopped suddenly. There was great confusion. And Forrester, what happened to him? I don't know. In all the excitement, he just vanished. He could have gotten off the train, you think? Yes. I thought of doing the same. Started to... But the rebels suddenly appeared and forced us to remain in the car. Ghastly lot they were. I know a smattering of the Karen dialect. I managed to catch part of their conversation. I got the impression they were looking for someone in our car. Yeah, could be, Mr. Perryman. Could be. Thanks. Oh, uh, Grayson. Hey, I've been looking for you. Oh, I haven't had a bit of luck. How about you? I've been talking with a couple of passengers who were in Forrester's car. I've got a hunch he skipped out. What? Yeah, I think he figured it was something more than just a raid to grab supplies that the gorillas were after him, too. So, assuming Forrester ducked off this train... He's probably out there somewhere hiding in the jungle. Or if there's a village nearby, he might be headed for it. Let's find out. <laughs> Checking, we find out there is a village not too far away. We also find a native who will lead me through the jungle to it. Grayson stays on at the scene of the train wreck in the event that Forrester doubles back. I follow my native guide into the jungle. We don't get very far before we run into someone else on the trail. Good morning. Uh, morning. Uh, you uh, lost? Uh, lost? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no. I was uh, just out for a stroll. I understand it will be quite some time before the train is ready to take us on to Rangoon. That's right. Uh, you were one of the passengers? Uh, yeah. My name is Hairstar. August Hairstar. I uh, was about to return to the train. Shall we go back together? No, my friend and I will push on a little further. A word of caution, gentlemen. Do not venture too far. The jungle is treacherous. Well, thanks for the advice, Hairstar. We'll be careful. <laughs> With a slight bow from the waist, Herzdahl turns, walks down the trail, and disappears from view. The guide and I mush on. The jungle gets thicker, and the going rougher. Finally, I call a halt. Pat, I think there is somebody else on the trail. You keep going straight ahead and make some noise about it. I'll wait here. Okay, you boss. I ease off the trail and wait. I can hear the guide moving up ahead in the jungle, and then it's quiet. Five minutes go by, ten, nothing happens. 
I slip out of my hiding place and take off after the guide. I find him about 200 yards down the trail. He's dangling from the branch of a tree with a noose of vines around his neck. Steve Mitchell will continue his dangerous assignment in just a moment. Throughout our nation, driving conditions are dangerous, and every motorist should revise his driving habits to conform to winter's rain, snow, and slippery highways. While the National Safety Council warns that winter driving conditions present more hazards than at any other time of the year. Too many times when roads are wet and slippery, the posted speed limits are not the safe speed limits. So remember, the safe speed for your driving is the speed that matches road conditions. America's professional truck drivers, the men who drive for a living, are taught that now, more than ever, they must drive ahead of themselves. By watching the changing road and traffic conditions on the highway ahead, you can avoid accidents before they happen. When you see an accident threaten on the road ahead, you'll have time to keep it from happening. Remember the current campaign against speed, the number one killer on the highways. Drive as slowly as the road conditions demand, and you'll be doing your part in this campaign. And remember, the life you save may be your own. Now back to Dangerous Assignment and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. I cut the guide's body down from the noose of vines and bend over him. As it turns out, I bend just in time. The slug whistles over my back. I dive into the brush and hug the ground. There's no sign of the sniper anywhere, and that's just the way I want to keep it. I circle on all fours towards the trail, finally reach it and take off in the direction the guide had told me the village was. Half an hour later, I reach the river. I start along the bank, and then I spot somebody kneeling by the edge. I ease up quietly. <gasps> oh, hi. Sorry to startle you. I wasn't sure who it was doing the weekly washing. Yes. Uh, look, Miss... Uh, I am Anine. Maybe you can help me, Anine. Have you seen a tall American around here lately? His name is Forrester. No, there has been no American. But some gorillas passed by here. Gorillas? How long ago? Only a short while. Great. Which way is the village from here? That way. Okay, I'll... What is it? Nothing. Uh, thanks for the information. out of her sight, then I stop. Anina's given me more information than she realizes. In her pile of washing, I spot the cuff of a man's white shirt, and it doesn't look like the native type. I wait. Pretty soon she comes along the trail, looking back to see if she's followed. I keep in the brush on one side of the trail and stay with her. She leads me to a hut half hidden in the underbrush and disappears inside. I pop in after her. A tall blonde guy is stretched out on a mat, and he sits up fast. Hey, who are you? Steve Mitchell, the guy who was supposed to meet you. Here are my credentials, Forrester. Oh, brother, am I glad to see you. How'd you find me? Spotted your shirt in the girl's washing. Yeah, she was too tired to get the blood out of it. Shoulder wound, huh? Yeah, but it's not bad. From the gorillas? Uh-huh. They jumped the train. They followed me, but the girl here hid me and patched me up. Guess she thought you were after me, too. Oh, I did not know who you were. Sure. Forrester, those people who got friendly with you on the train... Perriman? And the girl Tava. I figured 
Either one of them could have been planted there to put the finger on you for the gorillas, or it might have been Herzdahl. Who? I ran into him in the jungle near the train, said he was one of the passengers out for a walk. Remember meeting him on the train? Oh. Well, one thing, sure, we've got to get you out of here and back to the train fast. In the village, one of the men has a small boat. I will go and talk to him. I'm certain he will help. We head down the river away and then double over to the train, huh? Yes. You remember the place at the river where I was washing clothes, Mr. Mitchell? Wait for me there. Here's the spot Anine wants us to wait for, Esther. Good. Didn't come any too soon. Look, uh, just in case we get separated, you'd better give me what information you have on this hijacking racket. Right. Well, the head man is a guy the natives call Lokai, but he's a white man. And you know who Lokai is? Well, three nights ago, I got a quick glimpse of him in Mandalay at a payoff. They spotted me, and I had to get away fast, but I'd recognize him if I ever saw him again. No wonder he's trying his best to have you knocked off. How does the racket work? Well, the hijack supplies and munitions are recreated and reshipped to dummy addressees on the West Coast. Then sold across Burma to Mandalay and then flown by chartered plane into China. He has no trouble with the local rebels because he pays them off and they leave his shipments alone. Sounds like that'd take a lot of dough. Lokai doesn't use money. Pays them off in foodstuffs. That in turn causes a food shortage in the big cities and then he runs a black market. Brother, he works all the angles, doesn't he? Sure. For instance, two weeks ago when the rebels blew up the water pipes with Supply Rangoon, Lokai's boys moved in fast and did a big business selling water at 10 cents a bucket. This is one sweet guy we're talking about, huh? Well, at least when we get back to the relief train, you can trade your information for 2,000 pounds. That insurance investigator. Grayson? Yeah, I talked to him a couple of times last week in Mandalay. Guess he's on a spot with his company until this thing's cleared up. Yeah, and I can sure use the dough. Hold it. Hmm? On the river, just coming around the bend. Oh, a small boat. It's on Aina, wearing men's clothes. Yeah, so it is. I wonder what happened to the boatman. I can come to the bank. Okay. Let's go. Yeah. Where's the boatman, Anine? He was sick, so he told me to take the boat. I see. Here, Forrester, I'll yeah. give you a hand aboard. All right. All right. Okay. You had better get under the tarpaulin near the bow. Right. Stay under cover. There are many gorillas in the area. Right. out of this torn place. Forrester. Yeah? She sure seems cooperative. Yeah. Maybe a little too much so. If the price on your head is as high as I think it is, she may be trying to collect it herself. Yeah. Maybe by taking us to the local gorilla chief, Tuan Ko. Just the same. I figured we'd better play along for the time being. This boat's our best chance of getting out of here. Yeah. Hey, get down. Huh? Boat over there near the other side of the bank. Three natives in it. Gorillas. Oh, great. Do you understand any of it? Enough to tell me who our friend Anin is. Oh. I told you the local gorilla chief was Tuanko. Well, she's his sister. What? Look, that other boat's out of sight. Let's get out of here. Steve, up ahead. That native bridge across the river. Yeah, three guys perched up there with Tommy guns and those boats on the bank. I think we're being taken to guerrilla headquarters. Yeah, 
It looks like we've drifted right into a nice little trap. I start to crawl out from under the tarp so I can grab the helm, but just as I stick my head out, something very hard hits me over the ear, and I pulled. Steve? Mm. Steve, you okay? Uh, oh, Forrester. Hey, where are we? Safely downstream, almost to the place where we get off. What? Hey, what happened? The last I remember. You got hit on the head. Eileen, you better fill him in. I saw you start to crawl out from under the tarpaulin, Mr. Mitchell. I was afraid you would do something rash, so I hit you with this wrench to prevent them from seeing you. You sure pack a mean wallop. Then you weren't going to turn us into the gorillas. No. It is true my brother is their leader, but it is also true I'm opposed to what he's doing. I, too, wish freedom for my country, but not his way, and not when it means kidnapping Americans. I remember the last war. There were many of you fighting here for us. You've got a good memory, Anine. A lot better than most these days. Thanks. A couple of minutes later, she pulls the boat over to the bank and lets us out. We head through the brush in the direction of the train and Grayson. That can't be far, Steve. Pretty soon we spot it. They've hooked the passenger cars on behind the relief train. Then I see Perryman, Tava, and Herzdahl climb aboard one of the cars. We stay out of their sight. Any one of them could be the one who put the finger on Forrester. It's starting up. We try to hurry, but Forrester's wound slows him down. I put him across my shoulders in a fireman's carry and take off after the train. Then I spot Grayson on a flat car on which a crane is mounted. I come up beside the flat car, roll Forrester onto it, and dive aboard. For a minute, Grayson, I thought we... Hey, why the gun? Mitchell! Mitchell, don't you know who this is? Sure, it's Grayson. No, this is Loki. This is the boss of the hijacking racket. What? Quite right. Look, Forrester, you told me you'd talked to Grayson a couple of times last week. How come you didn't recognize him as Lokai then? Well, I only talked to him on the phone. Oh, great. Great is right. I'm quite indebted to you, Mitchell, for dropping Forrester right into my lap. Now I can get both of you out of my hair at the same time. My eyes flick up at the crane, then at the cable, which leads down to a big hook resting on a box behind me about waist high. It's my only chance. Just as Grayson raises his gun, I grab the hook and yank and then jump to one side. It swings past me right at Grayson. What? Brother, out like a light. That hook really creased him. Yeah, sort of put him out of business in more ways than one. That was quite an act he was putting on. The hard-working insurance investment. Yeah, it was quite an act. Until it got broken up. Or rather, until he got the hook. star, Brian Donlevy, will return in just a moment. Daytime programming here at the NBC spot on your radio dial is tops in listening enjoyment. You'll hear Bob Hope, Dave Garraway, Meredith Wilson, Bob and Ray, Warren Howell, Burt Parks, and Tommy Bartlett every day, Monday through Friday. So chase away your housework blues by setting your dial to the NBC radio network during the day. Bob Hope presents the finest in comedy listening as he teams with Bill Goodwin. Dave Garraway is sure to please with his bits of philosophy and the interesting records that he plays. 
And when it's time for Bob and Ray, you'll hear radio being kitted by those two boys from Boston who won last year's Peabody Award for comedy. Warren Hull presides over the show with a heart, strike it rich. And Bert Parks is the master of ceremonies on Double or Nothing. So all in all, it's a day filled with the finest radio entertainment. So be sure to hear Bob Hope, Dave Garraway, Bob and Ray, Warren Hull, Meredith Wilson, Bert Parks, and Tommy Bartlett over most NBC stations every day, Monday through Friday. Next week, Mexico City, Moonlight and Murder. And that will be Steve Mitchell's dangerous assignment next week. Included in tonight's cast were Ben Wright, Ramsey Hill, Vivi Janis, Alice Backus, and Paul Fries. This is John Storm speaking. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian Jandot, and is directed by Bill Carn. Be with us again next week at this same time when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another transcribed Dangerous Assignment. Both Father Knows Best and Truth or Consequences on NBC. Welcome back. An interesting case, and I think the only time Steve has been knocked out for his own good. The episode also provides a bit of an education on how relief supplies can often be stolen or misappropriated and sold on the black market. And they did it in a way that was short, but uh, still got across the point of how it worked. All right, well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback. And we have a couple of comments from YouTube and... Ron Sir writes in regarding the Streetcar 17 episode, the announcement at the end of this episode about the Cotton Bowl broadcast tickled me. Lindsay Nelson and Bob Murphy later became two-thirds of the longest-running three-man broadcast team in the history of the genre. Ralph Kiner joined the dynamic duo in 1962, and they proceeded to broadcast every inning of the New York Mets into the very late 70s. Lindsay left the Mets after the 1977 season, but Bob and Ralph continued to be the voice of the team into the 1990s. Well, thanks for the comment. I'm not a big football guy, but I definitely recognize Ralph Kiner, because before he got behind the microphone, he was a baseball player, and a really good one, and had this just amazing seven-year run where he led the league in homers, the National League, every year, including two 50-home-run seasons. And his career got cut short due to a back injury. He had to retire at age 32, but still made an impact. Uh, I used to collect baseball cards when I was a kid. And he showed up in this collection that you got through Serial where it was the all-time greats, those sort of cards. And really, who knows what he would have achieved with 
you know, the sort of medical care we we have today. Then he went on and he became a broadcaster and not only did he and Bob Murphy continue to do games into the 90s, but Kiner continued to be a broadcaster till the year he passed away in 2014. So, really an interesting connection that we kind of went down there. Uh, and then finally, we have this comment from Maureen. I love the New Year's Eve ad. My folks were newlyweds in 1952. Well, thanks so much, Maureen. Great all the connections that a, a lot of these little ads and public service announcements bring to people's minds. Thanks so much for sharing. Appreciate your comment. Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Jeff. Jeff has been one of our Patreon supporters since... October of 2015, currently supporting the program at the detective sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Jeff. And that will do it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download it from. We will be back next Wednesday with another episode of Dangerous Assignment. But join us back here tomorrow for Mr. Chameleon, where... Now, the facts are these, Chameleon. Mm -hmm. Herbert Martin, according to his doctor's report, was poisoned at dinner. No doubt with a poison whose symptoms are the same as tomain poisoning, isn't that it, Commissioner? Yes, that's it all right, Chameleon, but who told you? Well, let's call it a good guess, Commissioner. Let it go at that. Well, the address is 3344 Burton Street. I'm on my way. Oh, there you are, Detective Sergeant Arnold. Get out a squad car, quick. What's up, Mr. Commander? I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.